right, so we're going to start a new series today before I get in trouble. I stay in trouble. i got a redhead I stay in trouble with all the time. But our new series today is called, Did God Really Say That? And uh, our, I'm using the text. That we're just using this because this is where we got the title. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said? Did God really say? And we know that this is what happened in the Garden of Eden. And this is something that the devil still says today. Did God really say? Is that what he really meant? Surely that's not what he meant. Or... So we're going to be talking the next few weeks, and I've got handouts, thank you, uh, of today's sermon. If you would like one, raise your hand. This will be all the scriptures, plus there's an there's a added bonus. I have all of the New Testament books in chronological order and the approximate date that they were written. See, a lot of us think that, that uh, Matthew was the first gospel. It was not. It was not the first book written of the New Testament. We, we think that our Bible is in chronological order, and it's not. In fact, the oldest book probably was the book of James. So, uh, And, and this, will, this will come to bear as we get into the message today, but we're going to talk about can we really trust the Bible? And most of us just have been taught that the Bible is the Word of God, and we just accept that by faith. And you say, well, that's good enough for me. I just, I just believe that. I've always believed that. That's good enough for me. Well, don't be selfish. Because there's people out there who have questions that you need to be able to help people with their faith. There are a lot of voices out there that attack the Word of God. It started in the Garden of Eden, and it's been going on ever since. Is the Bible really the Word of God? So we're going to look at it from several perspectives. This week, next week, we've got a guest, so we'll take a one-week uh, break. Then we're going to come back the last two weeks of, uh, of uh, February, isn't it? And, and we're going to talk about several things about the Bible. Why can we trust it? You say, well, that, I don't have to have that. Yeah, but what are you going to do when your child comes home from college and they look at you and say, Dad, I don't believe the Bible anymore. How are you going to deal with that? How are you going to combat that? If you're not equipped to do that, you're going to be picking up my phone and say, Hey, help! You don't need to have to do that. You need to be able to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. See, too many people are dependent on the pastor or on ministers. to Now, it's, it's our job to teach you, but it's your job to become a student of the Word of God. It's your, it's your job to know and understand why you believe what you believe. Can we trust it? So we're going to look at it from the standpoint today of what did the Bible say about itself. In two weeks, we're going to talk about prophecies of the Bible and were they fulfilled? And then we're going to look at it from a historical standpoint. We're going to talk about manuscripts. We're going to, we're going to compare manuscripts throughout history 
and see if there is a... Because, you know, the, the amazing thing is when we talk about the original Bible, we don't have the original Bible. The original, the original texts have been lost. We don't have them. They either have not been discovered or they have been destroyed. How can we know that we have one that's true? Well, you have to come back in three weeks and find out. <laughs> We're going to be looking at that. I'm not giving it away today. You might stay home. So we're going to begin today talking about what does the Bible say about itself? Does the Bible claim to be inspired? So we're going to start in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And, and as I, be, I started to just do one verse. And as I began to look at this, I thought, there is a context here that describes kind of where we are in the world today, that kind of describes our culture, even church culture and it's and it's very alarming and it's and we're going to begin in verse three uh, but know this that in the last days now when the bible talks about last days we think of just the last few years but actually the last days began on the day of pentecost a period known as the last days and, and it says, in the last days, perilous times will come. And that word perilous just means difficult. There's going to be difficult times that are going to come uh, in the earth. And, you know, if you look at America today, you know, we're, we're a blessed nation, aren't we? I mean, our stock market is looking good except for the last few days. Our economy looks good. Uh, our our uh IRAs look good if you got one. Maybe your retirement looks good. I mean, you're, you're living comfortable. You're paying your bills. You're raising your children. But if you look out beyond that and you look at the spiritual atmosphere that is pervading America, we are fast moving away from God. Our nation is moving away from God. And you say, well... There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of churches that are growing. Yes, the, there is. And people are, are, there's a hunger in people that they're, they're seeking after some of the things of God. So what we're seeing is the light is getting brighter and the darkness is getting darker. darker. There, is, there seems to be this moving in both directions. There are people who are moving toward God and then there are people who, who are moving away from God. And then there's these people in the middle and... They're going to be sucked one way or the other. And those are the people that we want to reach, isn't it? But we have to be able to defend our faith in order to do that. So, so what I'm, this series is kind of apologetic in nature. Now when, when we say apologetic, I have to say this every time, that we're not, we're not apologizing for our faith, okay? It's not saying I'm sorry. Apologetic means to, it, it's a Greek word, it has to the defense of. We're, we're learning to defend our faith so that we can help people who are searching. I don't have to have all of this information to believe that the Bible is the Word of God. For me. 
But I have people ask me all the time, well, the, you know, the Bible's being corrupted. The Bible contradicts itself. It can't be true because, you know, this or that or this. Or, or the Bible says this, but in history, this is what happened. And we, we need to be able to defend those things and talk about those things. So this is what we're going to, to just kind of scratch the surface of. I began to study this, and this is huge, this area of inspiration of the Scriptures and all of the, uh, the data. and the, all, It's huge, 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 huge. So I'm just going to give you some of the basics, and you can, uh, you can explore some of this on your own. I, I encourage you to do that. But it talks about these perilous times will come, and it begins to describe what this looks like. And we can see this in the culture that we live in. For men will be lovers of themselves. You know, we got selfies. Why do they call them selfies? Because they're about self, aren't they? We talked about ussies, didn't we? But, now, you know, these are selfies. I, I, I went on a cruise and went out on the deck one day, and here, these girls out here, and they got their iPhones and then stick things, and they're... They're taking pictures, ooh, ah, ooh, and I'm thinking, you selfish, self-centered thing. They'll be lovers of themselves, lovers of money. We got that, too, in our society, don't we? Boasters, proud, blasphemers. There's a lot of blaspheming going on right now. Disobedience to parents. Can I get a amen? Kids are challenged these days. There, there's a spirit in this world where, you know, kids, man, they get to be teenagers. They need the devil cast out of them, I think, sometimes. Un no, I'm kidding. Unthank maybe. Unthankful. Unholy. Unloving. Unforgiving. Don't we see that? Slanderers. Without self-control. Brutal. I mean, without self-control. I mean, look at our drug culture today. There are people who have lost control of their lives. Despisers of good, traitors, headstrong. Move on. Haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Now this next one is significant. Having, because that sounds like it's talking about the world, but look at this. Having a form of godliness but denying its power. That Greek word kind of, it has a connotation to it. And the, and the ideal is that it has a, a shape or a form or an outline, but no content. It's a shell with a hollow middle. You know those Easter bunnies that we get, those chocolate Easter bunnies? And you think, oh my gosh, anybody like chocolate? These chocolate Easter bunnies, and you think, I bet that's filled with some ooey-gooey stuff, and you bite into it, and it's hollow. It's kind of what we're talking about. They have this outside shell, but on the inside, there's nothing. They talk about a relationship with God, but on the inside, there's nothing. It's empty, it's vain, it's powerless, it's non-producing. There's nothing in their life that 
that has any reality to it whatsoever. It's all about this outward look. Hallelujah. You can raise your hands and be empty. Can I get a witness in this house today? You can, you can talk the spiritual talk and just be as empty as you can be. This is kind of what this is talking about. From such people turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captive of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Jannies and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Now Jannies and Jambres, remember in the story of Moses when he went in to confront Pharaoh and he had the staff and he throws it down and it becomes a serpent. And so he calls the magicians and they throw down their staff and it becomes a serpent. That was Janice and Jambres. They're the ones who resisted Moses. They tried to duplicate everything that he did. They could only do that to a point. And listen, there's only so much that sham religion can do. It can't produce the genuine article. It takes, it takes the real thing in order to do that. So do these also resist the... And see, the content, the content of the Easter Bunny needs to be truth, not hollowness, not relative truth, not presumption, not philosophy. It needs to be truth. Truth is the thing that gives our life substance. Are you listening to me? Truth is what gives our life substance. But we don't always want to hear, I don't always want to hear the truth, do you? And we'll get to that in just a sec, because it's in this verse here. Men of corrupt minds disapprove concerning the faith. But they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifest to all, as theirs also was. The man of God, listen, listen to this, but you, he makes a distinction here. He changes from this sham-looking thing, this, this culture of the age, and this, this pseudo-spiritual lifestyle that, that a lot of you no people, maybe, maybe that describes you. I don't know. I'm not here to judge that. You have to judge that. But we work with a lot of people who, who this describes. We know a lot of people who are spiritual. I'm spiritual. And, and, and we use that to keep God at arm's length rather than inviting God into our lives, to invade our lives, and to change our lives. And I, you know, I say this all the time, and it's, I guess I, I get quoted on this a, a bunch. God loves you where you are, but He loves you too much to, to leave you there. Because listen, all of us have areas in our lives that are destructed, and, and they need to be changed. And God wants to invade that part of our life, but He won't do it unless we invite Him to. I might preach here in a minute. You better. Truth is what changes us. The Word of God is what changes I believe the Bible is the Word of God. I believe it's inspired of God. But we'll get to that. 
He says, but you have carefully followed my doctrine. What is doctrine? It's just truth. It's truth. My manner of life, my purpose, my faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance. You've seen my life. You've seen my persecutions and afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. What persecutions I endured. And out of them all, the Lord delivered me. You have seen the Lord in my life as He has has brought me through every issue that I've been involved with. He has brought me through victorious. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned. You must continue in the things that you have learned. Is it important what we hear? Is it important what we sit under? Is it important where you go to church? I've had people say to me, well, we just go to a church that's close to our house. What do they preach it? No, they don't really preach anything. I'm thinking, well, why waste your darn time? Go to go somewhere where there's some substance. I'm mad. <laughs> Get over it. And be assured of knowing from whom you have learned them. And look at this, verse 15. I love this. And that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Listen, our children here are not an afterthought. We have people who love your children, who teach your children, who cry over your children, who pray for your children. We don't babysit in there. We teach them stuff. And you ought to... You ought, you ought to hug them and thank them because they can be little hooligans sometimes. Can't they? I've got seven grandkids. I know. They act like little heathens sometimes. But that's children. But they're going to love them. They're going to teach them. And listen, they're going to grow up in church. They're going to they're understand the Word of God. They're going to understand these things. They need to. They need to be exposed to them because, listen, there is a culture out there that is not going towards God, and, and we're caught in the middle of it. We have an educational structure. Thank God we got good godly teachers in many schools that love kids, who pray for kids, that sow into kids. But listen, we have curriculums out there that are pulling people away from God. Many of our universities are undermining the principles of Christianity. I could go on and on about that, but I just don't need to. It's important that from childhood that children know the Scriptures. Children need to be in church. My kid don't want to go to church. Well, tough. My kids never had a choice. Their butts were in church every time the doors were open. And all of them are, did I say butts? Hineys. Okay. My children are, are, are all serving God today, and all of our grandkids are in church. They're involved. Listen, they're going to be exposed. They're going to know the way of salvation. 
all of them that are able have, have accepted Christ and have been baptized. Verse 16, this is the verse that we wanted to get to. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, that's truth, for reproof and correction. When we come to Christ, we come with stinking thinking. We have to change the way that we think, and the Scripture will challenge us in many areas of our life. The Holy Spirit will see to it that that happens. For instruction in righteousness. Now that word, inspiration, is a very rare Greek word, and I'm going to see if I can pronounce it. Theopneustos. Theopneustos. It comes from two compound words, theos and pneumatos. Theos is the, is the Greek word for God, and pneuma means breath or spirit. In other words, that all Scripture is God-breathed. You think back to Genesis. You think about creation. How did God create the world? He said, light be. He, he released his, his breath. Light be. Let there be light, and there was light. What happened when he created man? He had his body. The Bible says that he breathed into man the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And it's the same way with his word. He breathed forth his word, and it was, it was the scripture was inspired of God. This is what the scripture declares about itself. Now, let me ask you a question. What scripture is that talking about? This is in 2 Peter. If you look on your chart there, 2 Peter was written in about 60-something A.D. We didn't have a New Testament then, did we? In fact, 2 Peter is part of the New Testament. He's not really talking there about the New Testament. He's talking about what we call the Old Testament. That the Old Testament is God-breathed. I don't like the Old Testament. You need to get over that. Because that's your Bible. In fact, the early apostles preached from the Old Testament. They didn't have a New Testament. Now, it came along, and they were able to use some of the letters. But their doctrine came from the Old Testament. Well, how can that be? I mean, it's like there's two different gods. No, there's not. Jesus was in the, in the Old Testament. In fact, he inspired the writing of the Old Testament. How could he do that? He's loving and kind. You need to read your Old Testament. The Old Testament, God's nature is loving and kindness. You say, well, what about judgment and justice? That was taken care of in Christ. That, that's part of what the gospel is about. So when he said that all scripture is given by inspiration of God, he's talking about the Old Testament, the, the, and the Jews didn't call it the Old Testament because they don't recognize the New Testament. What is he talking about? The, the law or the Torah and, and the prophets, the law and the prophets. So that's what he's talking about. Okay, let's see what Jesus had to say about the Scripture. Okay? You think if Jesus thought it was inspired that we ought to take a look at it and, and, and see? Matthew chapter 5 and verse 18. 
Jesus says this, Verily I say unto you, Till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall no wise pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Now what's he talking about? The law, what we call the Old Testament, the Torah. See, a lot of people say, well, that Old Testament's fulfilled. Jesus says uh, uh, heaven and earth can pass away, but listen, not even one little mark, a jot and a tittle were the, were the smallest marks in Hebrew language. In fact, the smallest letter of the Hebrew alphabet is the yod. And, and he says not one, he could say not one yod will pass away until everything is fulfilled. He believed in the inspiration of the Old Testament. He said, it'll be there. Psalm says, forever, O Lord, is your word settled in heaven. Then in John chapter 5, verse 39, we've got to move fast through these verses because we've got several to look at. This is Jesus. He says, you search the what? Scriptures. Is he talking about New Testament? How could he be? Look at James. It was written in what year? 50 A.D. What year did Jesus die? Mid-30s A.D. This is 17 to 20 years before that. Any book of the New Testament was written. He says, you search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. <clears throat> and these... Are they which testify of me? Now stop and think about that a minute. What is the subject of the law and the prophets? Jesus. What's the subject of the New Testament? Jesus. I don't see Jesus in the Old Testament. You need to look. He's there. He said, they testify of me. But you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive honor from men, but I know you that you do not have the love of God in you. Boy, wasn't he judgmental. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, him you will receive. How can you believe who receives honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes from only God? Do not think that I shall accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, in whom you trust. What was he talking about? The law, the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That's the law, the Torah, in whom you trust. Did the Jews believe that the, the Old Testament or the the Torah was the Word of God? Yes. Did Jesus believe that the Torah was the Word of God? Yes. For if you believe Moses, you should believe me. For he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? In other words, he said you don't really believe or you would believe in me. Jesus was fixing to go to the cross. John chapter 17. He's fixing to go to the cross and he's, he's concerned about his disciples. 
And he prays a prayer over them. And right in the middle of that prayer, he makes this statement. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Now, what word is he talking about? The law and the prophets. Not the New Testament. That doesn't come along for quite some time. It will. Sanctify, set them apart by your truth. Your word is truth. What is one of the purposes of truth in our life? It's to set us apart. It sets us apart from our old way of life. It sets us apart from our old way of thinking. It set, and it brings us into a new way of life, into a new way of thinking. See, if there's not a lot of change in you, it's one of two problems. Number one, you've not really accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Or number two, you're not putting truth in you that will transform your life. I'm not here to judge you. I'm here for you to judge yourself, to see where you're at. That's the purpose of this. Luke chapter 24, verse 25. This is after the resurrection. And he's, de he's dealing with his disciples here. And he says this, Then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe, and all of the prophets have spoken. What's he, re what's he referring back to? The major prophets, the minor prophets, what we call the Old Testament. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets. In other words, he took the law and the prophets. He expounded to them in all of the scriptures the things concerning himself. Now, actually, this was on the road to Emmaus is where this happened. And he, he was talking to Cleophas and, and the guy with him. We don't know who that could have been John. It could have been someone else. So he expounded to them from the law and the prophets everything that had to do with him. Again, what is the subject of the Old Testament? Jesus the Messiah. What's the subject of the New Testament? Jesus the Messiah. What, what the Holy Spirit is doing is bringing the two together and binding them together with cords that cannot be separated. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16. I started to just use one verse out of this, and I began to read this, and I thought, we got to talk about this too. For we did not follow cunning devised fables when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. All of the New Testament books, except one, and that was the book of Luke, all of the writers... Well, maybe Jude and but Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the Pauline epistles, because Paul had a revelation of Jesus. Jesus came to him, but but Matthew, Mark, and John and the other nine were with him and they were eyewitnesses. They saw the miracles, they heard the teaching, they walked with him. They were there at the crucifixion. They were there at the tomb when he was uh, after his resurrection from the dead. Said so we were eyewitnesses of his majesty, for he received from God the Father honor and glory. When such a voice came to him from the excellent glory, 
This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. That happened twice, at his baptism and at the transfiguration. And we heard his voice, which came from heaven, when we were with him on the holy mountain. That's talking about transfiguration. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed. In other words, the things that were prophesied in the old law, the the law and the prophets, have been confirmed right before our eyes in Jesus Christ which you do well to heed as a, as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of men. They didn't just decide to sit down and write all this stuff down. It didn't come from the will of men. But holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Again, there's that concept of being moved along by the Holy Spirit. God breathed. God breathed. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received. Paul had an encounter with Jesus Christ. Jesus came to him. I don't know if it was bodily or in vision, and taught him. Most of the most of the doctrine that we have in the church today comes from the Pauline epistles. It doesn't come from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Some does, but but understanding the new covenant, most of that comes from the revelation that Paul received, and he goes to uh, he goes to the disciples and they lay hands on him when he when they saw the grace of God that was on him and the wisdom of God that he had. Uh, they, let, they laid hands on him and commissioned him to, to go forth. And here's, here's what he received, that Christ died for our sins according to the what? Scriptures. Now this is in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians was written 60s, 50s, 60s. So he's not talking about the New Testament, is he? He's talking about the Old Testament. And that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. The scriptures. They believed in the inspiration of the scriptures. They they believed in the prophetic word of the scriptures. On the day of Pentecost, that great day of the infilling of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. Peter. An uneducated man. People began to see what was happening. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in tongues, and they 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 had seen tongues of fire, and and all of those, and the wind blowing, and and they started speaking in languages that they didn't know, but the hearers were understanding those languages, and and everybody was confused, and they began to say, "What what's going on here? These guys are drunk. They're a bunch of drunks." We need to go to CR. I had to add that, didn't I? Peter stands up, this uneducated fisherman. 
He said, these men are not drunk, as you suppose, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. You know what he begins to do? He begins to quote the Old Testament, the prophets. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. This is out of the Old Testament. He's quoting the Old Testament. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. That's going to be a good day, isn't it? And it shall come to pass that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hey, that's Old Testament. That's not New Testament. That's Old Testament. But these guys are preach, they're preaching out of Joel. He goes on in in same chapter, verse 25, and he quotes from Psalms, Psalm 16. I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for He is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also rest in hope, for you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. And you will make me full of joy in your presence. That is, a, that is a prophetic utterance that had to do with the death of the Messiah. And then in verse 34, he, he quotes Psalms 110, talking about the Lord talking to, to Jesus. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he, he says himself, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies thy footstool. He's quoting the Old Testament. He believed in the inspiration of the Scriptures. He believed that the Old Testament was God-breathed. So the Bible says about itself that it is inspired of God. Then there's a story in Acts chapter 8. I don't have time to read it all. There's a story of Philip. Philip had been in a great revival, and God spoke to him, and he told him, he says, I want you to uh, go toward the south, along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And as he traveled down that road, he, he meets this Ethiopian eunuch in a chariot. And he's pulled over to the side, and he's sitting there, and he's reading. And the Spirit says, go join yourself to the chariot. And he walks in there, and this, this Ethiopian is reading from the book of Isaiah. And so he asks him, he said, do you understand what you're reading? He says, no, how can I unless somebody guides me? <laughs> There's a good opening right there. It says, uh, and he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was this. This is out of Isaiah. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life was taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth 
and begin at this scripture and preach Jesus to him. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, See, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? Now look at this. Then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. Then he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. What, is the, what did that other scripture say? Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Wow. The power of the Word of God. Romans 1.16 says that the gospel is the power of God and salvation. Then there's, there's one other thing, and we're going to close up. Well, what about the New Testament? Is it inspired? Was it recognized by the early church as inspired? 2 Peter chapter 3. Now, when look at your chart there. When was 2 Peter written? Somebody tell me. 68. That's, that's approximate. <clears throat> All of the Pauline epistles were written before that. In fact, Paul was killed somewhere in the mid-60s. He was executed. So all of his books were written by then. Now notice what he says here. And consider that the long-suffering of the Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in all of his epistles, they were written by them, speaking in them of these things in which uh, some things are hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction as they also do the rest of the Scriptures. The early church was already recognizing the epistles of Paul as authoritative, inspired by the Holy Spirit. So what do we see? That the Bible declares itself to be the Word of God. Now, I don't know about you, but that's enough for me. But somebody would say, isn't that circular reasoning? The Bible says it's the Word of God, so it must be the Word of God. Well, the Torah says it's the Word of God, so does that make it the Word of God? No, that's why we've got to look at other things, like prophecies, like physical evidence that points in that direction so that we can safely say, that we believe that the Scripture is the Word of God and there is evidence to prove that it is. Amen? Stand with me. Did you get anything out of that?